0: Let's say three things about this morning's epistle. First, let's talk about the faith of Christ. A strict adherence to the Greek text of this morning's epistle, and I'm always for a strict adherence to the text, should read, A man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Hear it again. Man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Now I have a whole bunch of translations of Holy Scripture next door. And I went and looked and see how that was translated in a bunch of versions. God bless you. As far as I could discern, the last English translation that got it right was published in 1610. And everybody after the King James Version has blown it. Blown it badly. Blown it badly because of a bad theology of justification. It read a, a later theology of justification into the text, and the text is it's not what the text says. For example, that alleged King James Bible, uh, the alleged Orthodox Study Bible, in its footnote, in the footnote of the text, gets it right. The footnote gets it right. But since they, fought the King, the, the, they followed the new King James Bible in the text, they get it wrong. It's one of those places where the text is wrong, but the footnote is perfect. I, I recommend that wonderful footnote in the, in the Orthodox Study Bible, but not the text that, that's up there, which uses the New King James Bible, which is not an Orthodox text. It's simply a watering down of the King James. It's not a it's, it's hardy, hardy marriage being called a translation at all. But that's not the only one. The RSV, the TEV, I think that's Today's English Version, which means it's, it's already out of date. <laughs> The Biblia Jerusalem, the New International Bible, all read, A man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. And that is not what the text says. The NEB and Phillips are substantially the same. Faith in Jesus Christ. The ESV, the English Standard Version, is nearly identical except for its politically correct alteration of God's word, which reads, a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ. Greek is not that hard a language that anybody should get it wrong for about 400 straight years and not get it right, it just seems to be kind of pathetic. The text says, it says literally, it says it twice, A man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. The clear problem with these mistranslations is that they are unable to deal with the notion that Jesus Christ had faith. They reflect a loss of perspective of a perspective that was traditional in the Christian church and preserved in the King James Bible, namely, the faith of Jesus. These new translations are unable to look upon Jesus as a man of faith. They think that faith is something that Christians have, but somehow Jesus didn't need it. There, it's really hard for people to accept the Incarnation. It's really difficult for people to believe that the one mediator between God and man is the man, Jesus Christ. It's really hard to, you want to slip away from that. I remember teaching college, oh, 30 years ago. Yes, oh, more than 30 years ago. Um, had this one student. She was a very devout young lady in her early 20s, very devout, a a Southern Baptist, and when I was talking about, I guess it was a New Testament course, I was talking about the Incarnation, she said, I can't believe that. You mean he had bodily functions like the rest of us? Well, there are references to him being tired, for example, falling asleep in the back of the boat, even after after his resurrection eating a honeycomb, this is clearly not the view of St. Paul, according to whom we are justified before God by the faith of Jesus himself. What Paul affirms here is not that we are justified by our own faith. We are justified by Jesus' faith. If we are to use the, the uh, exchange of idioms, that God believes in God. Jesus' faith was the source of his redemptive obedience to God. What was Jesus doing on the cross except exercising a massive act of obedient faith? Our faith, my brothers and sisters, comes from the faith of Jesus, and this is what renders us just. And thus, the epistle to the Hebrews speaks of Jesus as the author and perfecter of our faith. Who, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame who endured such hostility from sinners against himself if you look at the crucifix that's what you see is someone dying in obedient faith this is the faith that justifies us the faith of jesus and all his service to god demand to but especially his endurance of the cross And this this is what we see when we survey the wondrous cross where the young Prince of Glory died. The crucifixion is the supreme symbol of the faith of Jesus. Secondly, let's talk about personal salvation. Now, in the New Testament, most statements about redemption Tend to lay emphasis on the universality of all that God has done for us in Jesus. Normally, salvation in the New Testament is spoken of in universal terms, unlike most American religions, where it's spoken of almost exclusively in personal terms. But in the New Testament, generally, it tends to be uh, universal. God so loved the world. Similarly, Paul wrote that God spared not only his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Paul also wrote, there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all. The words of Jesus over the covenant cup stress the same perspective. This is the blood of the new covenant which is shed for you and for the many. Earlier, the Lord had said that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for the many. And texts of this sort abound in early Christian literature, insisting that the blood of Jesus was shed for all men. Now, I'm glad that's there. Otherwise, we might believe it be something really stupid like limited atonement, or something like that. Apparently, you don't. Okay. More rarely does the New Testament speak of Jesus' love for each person. It doesn't do that quite so often. But there are times. The parable of the Good Shepherd tells how he goes out in search of one lost sheep. In the Gospel of St. John, the Good Shepherd calls each of his sheep by name. And when the Gospel of John speaks of the Holy Eucharist, unlike Paul, the Gospel of John speaks of the Holy Eucharist, the emphasis is again on the singular He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, I abide in him, and he in me. The same accent is found in the book of Revelation. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens, I will come unto him and eat with him. Now such expressions of personal intimacy with the Lord are not so common in St. Paul but today's text is one of them. The life I live now in the flesh. I live in the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. This text is evidence that Paul, like John, knew the love of Christ to be directed to him personally. He, too, is the disciple whom Jesus loved. I want to take you to St. John Chrysostom's commentary on this text and his homilies on the Epistle to the Galatians. Let me read you a brief paragraph from St. John Chrysostom. Each person justly owes as great a debt to Christ as if Jesus had come and died... For his sake alone. Because he would not have grudged this his condescension. Though but for one. So that the measure of his love to each of us. Is as great as his love for the whole world. The measure of his love for each of us. Is as great as the love. His love for the whole world. Chrysostom's comment was obviously a marvelous comment. I don't quote the fathers up here very often, but this one had to be quoted. It says that Christ loves each of us the same way he loves all of us. Perhaps we've got a good analogy, a faint analogy, but a real one. If we reflect ourselves on how we love our families. Especially when I call parents to testify to this. This is something that children are still taking possession of. But but parents, think about this. Within our families, don't we love each as much as we love all? The love we have for our families... It's concentrated in each child. I think we also ought to know that, don't we? That's why we don't say we love one more than another. We we love each with the love of the whole. And this, my brothers and sisters, is how Christ loves us. And this is why He died not only for all of us, but for each of us. And thirdly, let's talk about Christ living in in us because that's what justification means justification is not a forensic act of god from the outside declaring somebody just god justification comes by some by god's holy spirit entering into people and sanctifying them from the inside here's what here's how paul describes justification i have been crucified with christ it is no longer i that live but Christ lives in me. It is no longer I that live, it's Christ lives in me. The acceptance of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ into our hearts, places within us a new source of life and identity. I must die for Christ to live in me. This is the hardest of messages. I wonder how often we, we, we see how hard it is. The message that I must die and I must die every day. The Christian message is not, I must be fulfilled. It's not, I must be satisfied. It is not, I must reach my full potential. It's very simply, I must die. Christ's own faith is the model and exemplar of my own. These are the hard words. It is no longer I that live. It means that in grace, my brothers and sisters, the self must go. In the pursuit of Christ, there is no place for selfishness, self-centeredness, self-preoccupation, self-absorption. They are the enemy. The destruction of all of these things in our hearts is what St. Paul calls a crucifixion. I have been crucified with Christ. Now, how is this spelled out? How does this play itself in practice? The crucifixion of the sinner has particular respect to the flesh and the world because two more times in the epistle of the Galatians Paul will return to this theme a personal crucifixion with respect to the flesh let's talk about the flesh first we really have to die in the matter of the flesh Paul a little later in the same epistle says those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires the flesh must go and again with respect to the world paul writes in this epistles last chapter but far be it from me to boast in except in the cross of our lord jesus christ by which the world has been crucified to me and i to the world in our relationship to our flesh in our relationship to the world we experience the crucifixion of christ to embrace The faith of Christ, to embrace the cross of Christ, is to experience crucifixion with respect to the flesh and with respect to the world. The flesh and the world comprise what St. Paul calls the old man, and he writes of it in the Epistle to the Romans. This is in chapter 6, verse 6 of the Epistle to the Romans. We know that our old man was crucified with Christ in order that the body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. I'm still waiting for the the new translations to translate the old man is the senior citizen. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for this. You see, the, the senior citizen is a fairly harmless person. The old man is really bad. Uh, you remember that famous novel of Hemingway? The senior citizen in the sea. Okay. There's a real problem with, with translations like that. They say, the, the senior citizen is a fairly harmless creature, but the old man is really bad. He really must die. We Christians have no hope, my brothers and sisters but in Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. He is our one confidence in life and in death. We place all our faith in Jesus' faith. We cling to his cross as the source of our strength and our solace. For his sake, we put to death the ways of the flesh and of the world in order to conform our lives to the pattern of his cross. In doing all of this, we are justified because Jesus has replaced the law. He is our only law. We Christians... Have absolutely worthless lives apart from him. We place all of our eggs in one basket. It is an Easter basket.